to Hebrews chapter 11, and the goal is to look through the first 12 verses of Hebrews chapter 11. That very first verse, let's just reread it. My plan today is just simply to walk through this, go back to the Old Testament and take a peek at each of these references that are found, and, um, and then draw some conclusions for our life, okay? So look at that first verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Some have said this is a definition of faith. It's probably not a fully orbed definition of faith. It's, uh, it certainly speaks to faith and helps us understand faith. I'm grateful that our writer didn't simply just leave us with verse 1 because there's all kinds of confusion on how to translate it and what it means. And thankfully, he gave us all kinds of examples to help us understand what he means in verse 1. So let's unpack verse 1 a little bit, and then we're going to dive into the rest of it, and I think that will help us understand it, okay? Tracking with me? Yeah? Okay. At least Jay is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Some of you have a different translation in your hands, and it might say something like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. They're different, aren't they? One would speak of there's sign of the subjective, an assurance, a conviction. That's what faith is. Assurance and the conviction of things that we're hoping for and that, that we still don't see. Or... Is it a substance? Is it an evidence? Is, there, is it something concrete, something I can point to? Which is it? Or is it both? And the challenge of our, our, our translators is trying to figure out how best to translate this text. And um, I'm just going to leave that there because I think it'll... It, 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 uh, let's see what the rest of the scriptures do. Now, I, I, before I move on... I. I I apologize, you know. We've been meeting in this building for, what, three years now? Almost three years. And I have never, I've never done any research on these chairs. Never. And so I thought what I would do is, is give you guys some, um, some help here I found that the, these chairs are from a, a company that is in 45 years in business. I'm like, okay, that's good. And they have a lifetime warranty on these things. Like, seriously, lifetime warranty. Now, I don't know if it's the life of the chair that's, or if it's the life of my life, or if it's, you know, or we're going to look at Methuselah and Noah and their lives. They're like 900 years. So I'm not sure whose life, but, but that's helpful. And then on their website, you've got, this, you've got these testimonies about these chairs. So listen to this one guy. Your chairs are the best built on the market. 
I have an engineering background, and after taking apart all the chairs, I realized this was the only choice. Now, I don't know, but all of our engineers didn't show up this morning. Seamus is here. So it's really helpful. Oh, we do have a, we have, okay, we have more engineers in the house. That's good. I, I, I would be, I'm pretty confident if an engineer has told me that this chair is well built. Now there's somebody else here. We are so delightful that we chose these chairs. It was so nice working with you and the chairs make our facility look absolutely beautiful. So they're aesthetically pleasing, I think. Lynn, would you agree? I, I usually don't clue in to what looks good or not. Now, listen to this. Our, our steel tubing exceeds ISO 9001 quality standards. That sounds impressive to me. The majority of our chairs are produced with steel tubing, which is bent using Chairtech's exclusive ultra-durable mandrel bending technology. High-precision robotic MIG welding fuses the metal components together into a fully utilized frame, thereby ensuring years of trouble-free service. This is pretty impressive. And then you want to know about the foam? Or are you guys, you guys okay with the foam part? Like, let's just leave that. Most of you just sat in that chair, right, this morning? The first time you showed up, you probably just sat in that chair. Um, but some of you have been down in our basement, and there's a chair down there that, or was a chair down there, actually, that I found in the neighbor's garbage. And it reminded me of my grandfather's chair, so I grabbed it. And it was like it was kind of falling apart, but I was like, I can fix this thing. I'm not even an engineer, no. I glued it, I clamped it, and then it kept breaking. And the last time we had our, our, um, our small group in there, uh, somebody said, should you be sitting in that chair? To, not to me, but I think it was to you, Lynn, or somebody. And I said, oh, yeah, that thing will hold. And then Rebecca, Rochelle had one of her friends who's got to be 90 pounds soaking wet, the other day and she sat in that chair and broke it no I'm being kind of silly but we, we look at chairs and we go we just take a glance at it and we, we, we sit in it right we trust it we we don't usually spend that much time figuring out if the chair is if we can trust it I think a writer of Hebrews I'm just unpacking this I, I because I think hopefully that illustration might help. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, for by faith, the people of old, the people from the Old Testament, received their commendation or their, their um, well done, their approval. And then he starts diving into some examples in verse 3 to help us understand faith. That's what he's trying to get at, okay? By faith, and that's a, that's a word that we're going to see this week and next week as we go through Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. 
Now, who's the we? The author and the recipients of this book. Now, as you might recall, as we've been going through Hebrews, what are these people struggling with? Should we continue to pursue and follow Jesus? Should we trust that Jesus' work on the cross was enough? Or should we go back to the Old Testament ways? And he concludes, if you've got your Bibles open, chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, just a few verses before, he concludes by quoting the Old Testament, Habakkuk, verse 38, he says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That's God speaking. Then verse 39, the author says, but we, me and you guys, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And so he's talking about we. He says, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Where does he get that? Genesis chapter 1. You can go there if you want, or you can listen. But Genesis chapter 1, what do we hear? Over and over and over And God said, let there be light. Verse 6, And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the water. Verse 7, And God made the expanse. In in verse 9, And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered. Verse 11, And God said, let the earth sprout. And God said, in verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Verse 20, and God said, and verse 24, and God said, and verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God spoke and the world was created. Now, the author and the Hebrew recipients weren't there on that day. So, they can't give testimony to seeing God do this. But every one of us, every individual on this planet has some faith on how this world came into being. We can't look on the website and go, these guys, God has been in business for X amount of years and we either believe that God created, God spoke, some external being spoke and it came into being that this Or, we believe that matter always existed and somehow just magically, by chance, however you want to do it, came into being. Or we believe that all of matter is God himself and somehow God who is within us and God who is connected to this universe created. We don't really have many options, but whatever our option is, we take it by faith. By faith, these readers understood that the universe was created by the Word of God. He then repeats his sentence almost verbatim so that what is seen, so that the, the, the trees outside, the grass outside, the mountains to our west, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What was it made of? God said. 
So tuck that in the back of your mind as we're looking through and trying to understand what this faith is. Verse 4. By faith, Abel. Who's Abel? Abel is one of the children, the second son of Adam and Eve. We meet Abel in Genesis chapter 4. Let's go back there. Let me read that story. We're told in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, and again, she, Eve, bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. And Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry, and his face fell, and you probably know the rest of the story. Cain, in his jealousy, kills his brother Abel. Now, thousands of years later, the writer of Hebrews says that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain by faith. Genesis doesn't tell us why one was offered, one was accepted and one wasn't. It doesn't tell us. It tells them it's a different, different types. Uh, Abel brought a, 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 an offering of an animal and Cain brought a, a grain or fruit or something. And if we read later in Scripture, there's, there's this idea that uh, both offerings can be acceptable, at least in the Hebrew system. But, but as we get even further down the road, we begin to realize and understand that the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Uh, remember Hebrews 9.22? And maybe that's a clue. But Hebrews 11 says that the significant difference is by faith. So we don't know why Abel's other than by faith. And did you notice that this faith came with action? By faith, Abel offered. So we know that. And did you notice that when God accepted this gift by faith, that Abel gave by faith, he was commended as righteous. He was approved by God. He was seen as righteous. Okay, so tuck that in the back of your mind. Because that's about all he says. Other than, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. If you're in Hebrews, just keep moving your finger down the page to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses? Abel, and it will be Enoch, and it will be Noah, and it will be Abraham, and it will be Sarah, and it will be David, and it will be Samson, and a bunch of others. They are witnesses. They are speaking to us about who this God is. Let's carry on. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch. Who's Enoch? Enoch's a hard guy to wrap our head around because in Genesis chapter 5, we're introduced to him in verse twenty. 
22. I'm in four, no wonder. In verse 22, yeah, 21. And we, we only see him mentioned just a few verses. It says, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That's all it says. We don't know anything about his life except that he walked with God. It says it twice. Now we, we know that Adam and Eve walked with God. And we will know later that Noah walked with God. But that's all it says. And then, then it says he was taken, he was gone. And, and the significance of that, this entire chapter, chapter 5, it has this refrain that keeps coming over and over and over and over again. Adam lived 930 years and he died. Seth lived 912 years and he died. Enosh lived 905 years and he died. We get all hung up on the dates and how long they lived. and I mean, that was prior to the flood. It just was. But the point of the author is died, 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 died. Enoch taken. Died, 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 died. So with those three verses, the author of Hebrews now says in verse 5 of Hebrews 11, by faith Enoch was taken up. The reason he was taken up was by faith. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Why do you think he was commended as having pleased God? Because he was a man of faith. That's the common theme. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Whatever faith is, Without it, you will not please God. Period. What if I decide to be a preacher and spend my life in the ministry? Will that please him? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Tuck that in the back of your mind. Let's go to verse 7. By faith, Noah. Who's Noah? We know Noah. Noah in the ark, right? Genesis chapter 6. We're introduced to, to Noah. We're told in Genesis chapter 6, where in verse 3, Then the Lord said. When's the last time we heard that? The Lord said. Genesis chapter 1. 
and God said, God spoke, what happens? The universe is created from what is not seen into something that we see. And God said, in verse uh, 3, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Now God's going to whittle their days down from the 900 or 800 or, or whatever it was down to 120. Verse 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created. God said this is what he's going to do. Verse 13, Genesis chapter 6. And God said to Noah, this time God spoke to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to the cubit above. It goes on and on and on, and he says, For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark, and keep them alive with you. And you know the rest of the story. If I understand the math behind this, when God told Noah that, he had no sons. The oldest son was, I believe, a hundred when they got on the ark. So God said, God spoke, God said, this is what's going to happen. Hebrews 11 says God warned him. But Noah had no idea how this could happen. How does, I, I was just reading a guy, uh, or Lynn, I think you were reading it, and the, the, it was somebody who was a skeptic and saying there's no possible way that it can rain for 40 days and 40 nights and, and all of, all of creation be covered and flooded and he was just kind of just dismissing it skeptical um, just kind of a backhand brush and I was like at least if you're going to be skeptical that's fine but at least read our story the water didn't just come from here it came from here but Noah had no idea how this would happen there's, there's no possible way that he could see this with his eyes he had no experience to base this upon. All he knew was that God said this, and we're told in Hebrews 11, what does he say? In Hebrews 11, verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for saving, the, saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. 
God spoke to him, and out of a, a fear, a reverent awe, like, God, you're amazing. I don't get this. But I'll do it. Do you see the faith is an action? Do you see the, what the faith is based on? We're, we're starting to see a few more things. The faith is based on what God said. There's a substance. There's an evidence. And somehow, even though he couldn't see, he believed what God said would happen. And we're told that what God said came true and not only was the world condemned, but Noah became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. He, he received a righteousness. And we're told he wasn't righteous. He, did, he wasn't perfectly blameless, but by faith. Now, what are these people struggling with? They're going, these people are wrestling with, should we go back to the Old Testament sacrificial system to be right with God? And he's been unpacking, well, no, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. You want to be right with God. You want to enter into his presence. It's only through the blood of Jesus. It's only through the work of Jesus. Trust me. Now, these Hebrews, not only did they believe the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, but if remember in Hebrews chapter 2, what else had they heard from God? Hebrews chapter 2, therefore, verse 1, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We must pay close attention to what we have heard. From this, we must pay close attention to the scriptures. Carry on in chapter 2, verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgressions or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. God spoke, Jesus spoke to us this word. And it was attested to us, it was confirmed to us, how? By those who heard. So Peter and James and John, who heard and watched Jesus and heard from his lips these words, they passed them on to the people who received this letter. They pass it on to the author of this letter. God declared something to them. Would they trust what he said? Would they act upon what he had told them to do? Would they believe what he said would, would be? even though they could not see. Hebrews chapter 11 carries on. Verse 8, we meet a new character. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was out to receive as an, that he was out to, that he, that he was to receive as an inheritance. Tongue doesn't work this morning. Too cold. And, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Where do we meet Abraham? Hebrew, Genesis chapter 12. It's just like our author is just saying, okay, let's just walk through the Bible, Old Testament systematically. 
Genesis chapter 12, now the Lord said to Abram, God spoke, Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He didn't say go, this is where you want, I want you to go. He says, get up and go and I will show you where you got to go. So he's supposed to start moving before he knows where. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you, I will curse and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran and Abram took Sarah, his wife. 75 years old, problem. Go back to chapter 11. Verse 30, now Sarah was barren. She had no child. She was 65. He was 75. They had no kids. And he's going to be this great nation. And he's supposed to go, but God will tell him on the way. And Abram hears from the Lord. Something is declared to him. God speaks God's word. And He's got to be confused, but he goes. And so, so faith is based upon what God says. There's an action, there's an obedience that comes out of that following him. And did you notice what Abram looked forward to? By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. He never even got to build the mansion that overlooked the Jordan River. In fact, his son and his grandson didn't do that either. They were sojourners. They were foreigners in the land. But what did he look forward to? Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He was looking ahead to what was unseen. He was looking beyond this land, this land of promise, to a place where God would build a, a city with a foundation that would be eternal. And so these eyes of faith they're based on this evidence of substance, but there's this assurance and this conviction that God has said is true, and, and they believe so strongly that they can see what is unseen, an eternal home. That's faith. We've got one more character. Verse 11. By faith... Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now we know that Sarah laughed. That's what the scriptures say. But she, we're also told that she must have stopped and considered and go, well, this is the promise. And this is who gave me the promise. And by faith she trusted him. 
and we're told that she was given power to conceive. Remember the word of God that creates things out of nothing? She, at that point, what was she? I'm sorry, 99, I think it was when she gave birth. That's ludicrous. But that's God. We're going to see more examples next week of just like, oh my goodness. But how does this help us? What's the point? What do you do with this? There are some nights I was talking to a brother of mine that was so encouraging. He said he puts a printed copy of the Bible beside his bed so that when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's anxious... Instead of reaching for his phone, which will only feed the anxiety, he reaches for God's Word that will feed the faith. Because he needs to hear from God. Because God's Word is powerful. It causes Sarah to give birth. God's Word is powerful. It creates. God's Word is powerful. It I struggle with anxiety. One of my go-to texts, one of the one of the, the swords I have in my in ready to go is Matthew chapter six. Because I'm always worried about how am I gonna feed my family. Like it was a foolish financial decision for us to move to Calgary. We had it figured out before we came here. Then I read this, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus. Jesus speaking. Jesus who is God is speaking. He's powerful. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which his day is alive until tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Why do I grab the Bible rather than my phone? It's because I need to hear that from God Himself, and I need to be reminded. Last spring, you might recall we didn't have one. Middle of April, there was still snow, lots of it in our front yard. My dad, who's 86, moved to Canada, southern Alberta, when he was in 1950, so I don't know how old he was then. That was like three, maybe, I don't know. I never, I've never remembered seeing snow in the fields of southern Alberta in the middle of April. He says, it has snowed in April and covered the fields, but the snow of winter was never there in the middle of April that I remember. I noticed the robins still showed up when we had two, three feet of snow in the front lawn. Some of you have been in our our house. We've got a little tree in the back that we need to trim. Could use some help there. But that little tree was so full of fruit this year. Last last year. Lynn goes, all winter, she goes, we've never had that many berries on that tree. And they're, they're useless berries. We thought they were useless. Sometimes the birds pick away at them. But she was puzzled all winter. Like, look at all those berries. They're really pretty with the snow on, and they're just bright red. But they're kind of a pain because they just make everything in the backyard a mess. But those robins had no way to eat the worms on the grass because how, how, how do they do that? There's too much snow there. And they had been around for a few weeks. then we started noticing robins in that tree. At one time I noticed there had to be a hundred in that little tree. At one time. There, 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 was, there, was, there was no more berries left on that tree by the time the snow was gone. Then Lynn said, consider the birds. God had already arranged how to take care of them. Now she got that from here, which helped me settle in my heart something I was struggling with at that moment about our finances. And I was reminded, trust the Lord, take the next step of obedience, continue to serve Him. Trust Him. The Word of God breathed into my into my into my spiritual lungs, I guess. So I could take the next step. By faith. You could put almost any situation in there. Whatever you're, you're dealing with. If you're struggling with some sin. Find where the Word of God speaks to that. And make sure that sword is ready to go. So you could turn to it in faith feed your soul. But bigger than that, 
the people of this time period, they were struggling with, should we obey, follow Jesus? Should we continue to, to pursue him? We live in a day and age where young people are dropping from the faith left and right. They're turning their eyes to different things. They're, they're listening to false teachings, etc., etc. And the author of Hebrews is calling to us. This is in verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Abram, Sarah, Noah, Abel, Enoch, let us lie, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance to the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We're told not just to look at Jesus for provisions but like food and clothing but we're to look to Jesus because he is our life he's our hope he's our future only through him will we reach that city with the founder that will build a city that will not fall apart every week we close around communion not because this is a ritual that makes us right with God because this is a reminder of what God has done for us and it helps us so that tomorrow we can walk in faith trusting him Jesus on the night that he was betrayed he took the cup and he took the bread and he says this is this is my body and this is my blood and he says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. That's what we want to do. If you're a follower of Christ, I encourage you to come and join us around the table. We don't do it alone. Uh, follow along some, with somebody. But we just want to stop and remember what Christ has done. Let me pray. Lord, we live in a world, too, where everything we seem to watch or read or listen to, even when we walk into the doors of certain churches. Father, the, 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 the temptation is to, to, to lead us away from your word, to lead us away from what you've done, to cast doubt. Father, I pray that we would be a people of faith that would clearly hear what you have said be convinced of who you are after considering your words and, and who you are and then step out in faith continue to walk in your ways following you and Lord always with an eye on the unseen but God give us eyes to see what is unseen Lord I pray that as we even gather around this table that we would remember what you have done and with great hope and promise we look forward to one day celebrating a wedding feast where we are your bride and we will walk with you we will be with you forever and ever 
Lord, I long for that day. May we be such a people. In your name we pray.